0: This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com/writingexcuses. Season 11, episode 42.
1: This is Writing Excuses drama as subgenre, 15 minutes long, because you're in a hurry and we're on a ship. <laughs> I'm Brandon on a ship. I'm Mary on a ship.
2: I'm Dan, at least near the ship. (laughs)
1: And I'm Howard
2: on way too much caffeine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, we are here on the Writing Excuses Cruise 2016. And we are extremely excited. We're going to have a load of guest stars over the next few episodes, so look forward to that. Today, it's just us warming up as we talk about drama as subgenre, which... As I considered it, I thought might be one of the hardest ones to talk about because every story has drama as a subgenre. So how do we even approach this? How do we talk about it when it's basically just, yes, this is every story ever written? Well, um, well it's quick, not.
3: Uh, very quick, in case anyone is listening to this episode and didn't listen to the last one, when we say drama, what we mean really is character change. Yep. Main character changing over time
0: yeah which is why I'm like, no, no, Brandon it's, okay.
1: it's you're wrong. I'm wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sherlock Holmes does not contain drama
1: okay um, the the new Sherlock Holmes does the original new, Sherlock yeah. Holmes does not. you're right. correct most Ha-ha. most <laughs> James Bond stories do not a lot of a lot of these kind of primal person solving problems um, they don't have a lot of change right. over time
0: um, however we are using those just as a way to define the difference between stories that do not contain drama as subgenre in order to look at the ones that do contain drama as subgenre.
3: Well, I think Sherlock Holmes is a great example to look at. uh, Because the original ones, the focus was on the mystery. Or, you know, whatever subgenre we're looking at. um, Whatever elemental genre, mystery, thriller. And the modern ones still have that, and they still primarily are mysteries. But they're also very interested in his character. Yeah. And they want to give him these specific traits, and they want to watch as he reacts. Um, And I think that for the most part, you know, looking at both of the modern Sherlock series, they've done a pretty good job by establishing, here is his problem, and here are the way the people around him react to that, and let's watch him deal with it. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that then. Drama as subgenre. This is something I look to put in almost every longer work that I write Uh, because a character change is a basic component of a compelling story. It's not the only thing that makes a story compelling. But how do you do this without having it overshadow the main plot? Uh, Sherlock, let's look at that. These are primary relationships slash mysteries. Mm-hmm. I
0: think one thing to look at is that one of the ways that you can signal to an audience that it is a subgenre rather than a primary genre is when you introduce that conflict. Okay. Um, when when we're talking about the, the issues in a story, it's not the order in which they happen on a timeline. It's the order in which the audience becomes aware of it. So if we begin with – using Sherlock still as our example – if we begin with dead body on the floor – Right. That signals to the audience our primary driver is going to be mystery. And then if we introduce the conflict between Holmes and Watson as whether or not Holmes is capable of being a good friend, that is our secondary driver. And we might, we might invest more in that because we, we really like the two characters, mm-hmm. depending on how far we are into it. But it, it's a way of signaling to the audience kind of which one is going to be the major driver and what sort of ride we're in for.
2: One of my favorite episodes of Elementary uh, is the one in which Holmes, at the end of the episode, must confess to the police chief that he has been an addict and has been in rehab, and it's something that he was hiding. And the police chief's response is, well, I knew that. I figured you'd tell me about it as soon as you were ready. I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to not do my homework. But the moment where Holmes... Humbles himself and apologizes and says that was wonderful. And for the entire episode, we'd been worried about Holmes's actual physical health because you know he's he's been kidnapped. Oh no, what's going to happen? Um, but this secondary crisis was every bit as, impo- as, as important and far more poignant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and that's, that's a really good example as well, that when we say that you're using something as a subgenre, it doesn't have to be a major secondary driving plot. It can be something that, that comes up just in a scene, just a, a pivot point for the character. It doesn't have to be, it does not necessarily have to be something that is a through line all the way th- through the, the story.
1: All right, so let me ask you this. What does it add Why are you going to be doing this as a subgenre? I think it's an obvious question perhaps, but I want to pitch it to you because we started off by talking about successful stories that don't do it. Uh, Isaac Asimov, it would be another good example. A lot of his short stories are not about character change. They are about interacting with the technology. These were very successful stories, so why would you add this? Well, so with the John
3: Cleaver books... um There's six of them and is split into two trilogies. My goal with book one and then again with book four to kick off both trilogies was to introduce the character and get you to know who he is. And neither of those books he really changes very much. They're about how his weird personality and his mental illness cause him to interact with the world. Then in the next books, I add in the drama because they are about him trying to become a better person. And almost without question, People's favorite books are the later ones rather than the two that kick off a trilogy because they connect with the character more.
1: You know, if I'm going to put you on the spot, one really good thing you've done with both of those is I feel like at the end of the first one of the three, you give some hook or indication at the end that John is in a darker place than he's been. And he's, you are worried that the next book is going to be a downward spiral for him. And in fact, the beginning of the second book of the first trilogy is a big downward spiral for a little while. And this, I like this ending of the first book as we are going to add this as a subgenre now to prepare you for the next book where it will be a major driving force. Now,
2: another good example of, of uh, drama as a subgenre is in the uh, uh, Miles Workosigan novels, um, uh, Mirror Dance Mm. in which uh, the novel opens and we have this sense of our hero, Miles, and the things, the changes that he has undergone and the changes he is looking forward to undergoing, and then our inciting incident in Act One is him dying. And he's shot in the chest and his last thought is, but wait, I haven't. And I gasped and realized, but I... I want him to change. I want him to get to do those things. I don't care that he's dead. I mean, I care that he's dead. I care that these things aren't going to happen. There's a piece of that story. There's this drama that I wanted to watch unfold, and now I don't get to. Well, I think that's a big part of it is the emotion that comes from that. Mm -hmm. You know, someone
3: being dead is sad because of all the things that they don't get to do anymore and because of all the interactions they don't get to have. And so focusing on that emotional aspect that comes from the drama... Gives weight to the other things that happen in the story.
0: Yeah, I think, and I think a lot of that is also related to the the relationship that we have with the character. One of the things that I talk about when I'm, I'm talking to people actually about branding and and trying to figure out me. You
1: know, that joke <laughs> never <Yes>. gets old. <laughs> yeah, it's. Like, I know you just spend most of your time talking to people about me. <laughs> it's it's true. Yeah.
0: It's true. Is it is it true, audience? I've been talking. Yeah. 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 yeah.
3: Uh, <laughs> you just made the album <laughs> no.
0: um, But when, like, when you're talking about uh, Branding if you're ta- And when you're talking about branding and coffee When you're talking about building a brand Thank you I just like watching him giggle Which the only people in the video feed
1: can see Yes, right If you're not benefiting from the video feed
0: <laughs> But like if, For those of you who drink coffee um, you, you've got your favorite coffee shop and you go to that coffee shop not because of the coffee. The coffee is the main genre. You go to the coffee shop because of the subgenre, which is your relationship with the barista. Yeah. You know, that, that, this having, having any place that you're a regular and they recognize you when you come in, you're there because of the subgenre. And And I think that that is also true with fiction, that one of the things that happens if you can have a character that is going through change is that that empathy... And that connection to the character, that relationship that you as the reader form with the character, gives you a, a greater hook and tie-in to to the main genre because you want to see them succeed the same way you want to see a friend or anyone else that you have a relationship succeed with. Uh, and, and it gets also back to that thing Cory Doctorow was talking about last season or two seasons ago about um, hacking your brain, which we talk about a lot now, uh, that, that it's a way of taking the empathy that we have and using it as a tool to basically connect the reader more strongly to the story, in part because what happens is that we can
4: cathartically experience things through the character's growth. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Um...
4: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
1: I really like where this is going, but I need to stop it for a minute to talk about our book of the week, which is a very important book of the week, because it is Ghost Talkers. Yay! So. <laughs> this is the best audience. Mm-hmm. And why don't you tell us about Ghost Talkers, Mary? All right. So
0: Ghost Talkers is, um, is a novel what I wrote. Uh... <laughs> Um, It is set during the the Great War. It's 1916, the Battle of the Somme. The British Intelligence Department has connected with a group of mediums and has established something called the Spirit Corps. So when soldiers die, they are conditioned to report in, and the British Intelligence Department is getting instant troop updates from their ghosts. Uh, And when the book starts, we learn that there is a traitor and that... Uh, The Germans are trying to figure out what's going on, and things go downhill from there.
1: The book is awesome. I read it. I actually listened to it um, by Mary. If you guys have never listened to Mary read one of her books to you, an audiobook, it is incredible because she does great voices and all this stuff, but it's also like your friend Mary reading you a bedtime story. Uh, It's really cool. Um, Ghost
2: talkers is not a bedtime
1: story. (laughs) Oh, it it is. It is if 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 you like creepy stuff. Um... I really love the book. In fact, we are going to be doing a project in depth on Ghost Talkers, which is why we wanted to promo it this week, because next week we'll be doing a Q&A uh, about um, drama, and then the week after is a project in depth, and so this is your spoiler warning for two weeks from now. We are going to go and dig into this book and how Mary wrote it and all of that nitty-gritty stuff. And you will want to have read the book by then. Because there are giant-ass spoilers that we are totally going to talk about. (laughs) That is very true. So, this is your warning. Uh, Book of the Week is Ghost Talkers. And in two weeks, we are going to do Project In Depth on it. All right. So, as usual, I want to talk more about the writing side in the second half of the podcast. I want to talk about how to do this. Specifically, how do you prepare for a character journey? How do you, when you're you're building your plot, you've got your main story, you're like, I want each character, at least this is what I do, I want each character to change a little bit during the course of the story. How do you decide how they're going to change? How do you make that happen through the course of the book? Uh, How do you go about it?
0: I think about it in terms of um, who the character wants to be. Like, we all have an idea of who our perfect self is and there is usually something within ourselves that is uh that is inconsistent with that perfect self um my 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 fatal flaw um mm. is vanity uh, which anyone who spent any time with
1: me can spot. You know, mine is pride. You wouldn't have been able to figure that no, out, would you? No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I wonder.
0: I wonder why. How yeah. about you guys? Mm. Mine
1: is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you were really good at that question when they asked you your best, worst flaw during an interview, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just too awesome, and everyone mm. else will feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's
3: doesn't work, and he stole mine. <laughs> <laughs> Delivery. My <laughs> fatal flaw is being later than Howard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no,
2: no, no, Mary but, wasn't done yet. Yeah, yeah,
0: but but the point being that this this gives you a a point of dissatisfaction for the character. What is the thing about themselves that they find lacking? And then that gives me an opportunity to challenge them on those points and find ways in which uh, the the plot highlights that that fatal flaw and it also gives the character an internal struggle that they want to overcome. And that, that I think, for me, is one of the, the key things about these drama things is that it is about an internal struggle with the character that then manifests in an external way.
1: That's that's brilliant. I love that. And the thing—oh, go ahead, Yeah, Howard. we're just building on that real mm-hmm. quick. Uh,
2: long ago, one of the audio engineering principles I learned was the customer always knows when there's a problem, but never knows what the solution is. Mm. And having a character who, you know, I know what their fatal flaw is, um, their opinion of how they need to change in order to reach their perfect self often needs to be wrong so that they can have a moment of discovery where they realize that the solution they've been driving for is actually the problem. They've been pushing in the wrong way. And those moments are some of the most wonderful because for me, those are the moments that are most like my real life. When you wake up and realize, oh, this person I've been trying to be does not exist by virtue of me doing this over and over again, I need to change in a way that I didn't expect.
1: Yeah. And I love this as subgenre. In fact, I prefer this in most stories as subgenre because stories— I mean, we mentioned King Lear earlier um, on the the first podcast about this. It's a great story. It's my favorite Shakespeare. You you can't go wrong with that. But at the same time— if everything is about this character's fatal fatal flaw, sometimes it just gets dreary. It gets overwhelming. It gets preachy. Mm-hmm. And but when it's subgenre and a character is learning something about themselves suddenly as they go about this larger. Project And you learn something like uh, I often bring up Star Wars. I love the original Star Wars when Luke turns off the targeting computer, right? That's been a very subtle thing of Luke learning to trust himself and trust in the force and becoming, you know, it's the call to adventure in the final moment where he's like, all right, I'm going to step up and, and accept the call to be a Jedi. That's the moment he does it. And it is really subtle through the entire film. He turns it off. You cheer. You don't even know why in some cases. It's like the John Williams music. And you're like, it's cool music. I will cheer. And as you think about it, you're like, oh, he said yes to being a Jedi right then. And mm-hmm. I love that moment because it is so subtle. Let me point up, point up something there. In, this, in the cinematic
2: tradition, there are a whole bunch of tools that are going to get used there. The lighting, the angle, the music in order to help sell that point. When you are writing a book, uh, all you've got is the words. You've got the negative space between the words. You know, you've you've got the shaping, but really all you have is what you can enter in at the keyboard. And when we talk in, in other podcasts about craft and about the importance of learning some of these tricks, the ability to pull a John Williams score under your character moment at that point in your book... That's going to grow out of having
1: written a lot, a lot of words. See, you don't have Dan standing behind you as you read, saying bum, 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 whenever you get to a dramatic part. It does that I, to me. Some people do. Yeah. yeah. I, That's an extra service. I have
0: to confess that sometimes when I am narrating, <laughs> this is, and you will hear this on some of the blooper reels I post, you will occasionally hear on one of the blooper reel, reels me go, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Because the writer whose work I am narrating has just landed one of those.
1: I was. I'm surprised in your books when I listen to them how evenly you can read those moments of huge impact and discovery and not do a dun bomb, dun bum, dun. Bum. Yeah, uh,
0: that's because we edit them out. Yes, okay.
1: <laughs> and and I actually say them while
3: I write sometimes. Yes, yeah. I will do the dun dun, dun dun dun.
0: But but one of the things about that and and this is. Um, this is this is slightly going off tangent, but it is related to the, the, the how to make that relationship subgenre land is that if you hit it too hard, it's like the movies that are overscored. You know, the, the movies where the, the music swells and and there's a change focus. Soft focus. <laughs> and then the character comes out with this stupid cheesy line mm. that is badly delivered and they have not earned that moment and that is one of the things that when you're writing that when you have that moment where you want the, the that that emphasis to be there that sometimes we feel like we have to hit it really really hard and a lot of times the answer is to pull back a little bit
3: yeah, yeah i would agree w- one of my favorite movies of all time is no country for old men oh, yeah. which has no so- score there's no music at all and watching that i've learned so much about how to deliver those moments honestly By seeing how they do it without relying on these special effects and the music.
1: Yeah. Yeah, That's actually a really good point I'd never considered is watching how a lot of times commercials will do this Mm -hmm. and uh, and television shows and things, they'll cheat. Or uh, internet shorts where they're like, here's the music, you should feel something, and I am not there with them. And I actually laugh at them. Yeah. At these moments.
0: Saving Private Ryan made me actively angry because mm. it made me cry, and they did not earn it. And I knew that what was happening was cinematic tricks, and and I'm like, God, nah.
1: <laughs> we Cursing. are out of time on this episode. <laughs> Mary ruined it. We're gonna we're gonna cut it right there. Um, uh, we we're gonna give it back to Mary dangerously to give us some homework. All
0: right. So we have been talking about the ways in which a character's internal conflict affects the people around them. What I want you to think about as, as your starting example is you know when you're driving someplace and you're having an intense car conversation about something really heavy, while at the same time having to navigate. So you have two conflicts going on simultaneously. You have an emotional conflict and a logistical conflict. What I want you to do is I want you to look at your manuscript And take two scenes that have different conflicts. One is emotional and related to the character's internal drama. And the other is a logistical one. And I want you to combine them so that those two things happen in the same scene in concert. And your character is going to be bouncing back and forth between dealing with those two things. Their emotional state is going to affect the way they approach the logistical problems. So I want you to try to blend those two things to make that subgenre happen within a single scene.
1: Awesome. And our audience, you guys are awesome, too. Thank you guys so much. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write.
0: Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson.